Welcome back. Great to be back in November on the BetUS NFL show. I'm merely the somewhat capable host, TJ Reeves. You are here for these guys, the handicappers. Chris Farley back aboard, and looky here, Brad Thomas back aboard as well. Boys, how we feeling? Farley, you feeling good? You feeling dangerous for another uh, another month here on BetUS NFL? Yeah. Uh, first of all, TJ, I'd like to say more than capable host. You've been with us now for a little while. Don't sell yourself short. Me, Thank on you. the other hand, last week was one of those weeks in the NFL betting where I, I just, as soon as it was over, I was like, I, I can't wait till week nine. So I couldn't <laughs> wait for this show. Uh, some bad variants on my end. Let's get back to it, boys. We're only talking about forward. We're looking forward in the future. I see Brad Thomas nodding along as well. Good to have you back here. You had a great run on our Three Dog Thursday show, yes. picking underdogs in college football in the NFL. We always love your insight. How are you on a Thursday, Brad? I'm doing pretty good. And, you know, to back up what Farley said and what you said, you can only win out, you know? The losses are behind us. We're moving forward and we're stacking cash. Amen. Yeah, we got lots to do here on the program, including a Thursday night game with the only unbeaten team remaining. That's the Philadelphia Eagles that we'll be talking about shortly. First, let's take a look at the records uh, here of what the handicappers have done to this point. Yes, we are transparent on the program. You see Chris has dipped a little bit below the Mendoza line, but overall on the show with everything added in, we are still above, above 500 and we're all about the future. We're all about moving forward here on uh, Bet US NFL, and again, we're going to go over every game uh, here. You're going to get a great look at every game here on the program. Are you boys ready? Are you ready to begin with yeah. Thursday night and a wild twist of Thursday night football being the same as the World Series in terms of the cities? Yes, indeed. While the World Series plays in Philadelphia simultaneously with the uh, Phillies and the Houston Astros, the Eagles and the Texans, a game that was scheduled all the way back at the beginning of May for Thursday night, November 3rd. There it is, the Eagles unbeaten in Houston. And man, the Eagles a massive 14-point favorite off that win over Pittsburgh. Let's roll the sleeves up with a total of 45 and a half. And I'm coming to Brad Thomas, who has the official play to begin this one. My friend, what do you like here in what looks like a mismatch on Thursday Night Football? What are you feeling? You know, initially I was looking at the spread, but I don't want to lay 14, 14 and a half points on the road on a primetime game. I'm actually going to be on the Eagles team total in the first half over 14 and a half points. The Eagles are the league's highest scoring first half team. They're going against a Texans team who hasn't been very stout defensively. More impressively for the Eagles, they're very dominant in the second half. Jalen Hurts has taken that next step that everyone was asking if he could take, and he has a complement of receivers in a solid running game. Why I touch on that running game is because the Texans are dreadful in the run, allowing almost 180 rush yards per game. While the Eagles don't have the stats to really back up those running numbers, it's because they kind of take their foot off the gas and don't care. I do think it'll make the passing game more dangerous because the Texans know they're going to have to kind of stop Miles Sanders and company. Well, the run defense has not been very good. Um, again, for Philadelphia, Farley, I know you're a Giants guy, and I know the Eagles and the Giants, uh, they don't exactly go together uh, here on this. But the Eagles have never been 8-0, ever. I mean, that's what's riding now on the chance to win this game. In fact, the last time they were 7-0, Brad Thomas and I with co-tag team partner research on this to find it, the last time they were 7-0, the 2004 season with Donovan McNabb, Terrell Owens, Andy Reid as the coach, they were 7-0. The Steelers, interestingly, beat them. Uh, and I believe that was a rookie 
Ben Roethlisberger? I, b- I believe that's correct. It might have been Tommy Maddox, guy that's in the recesses of my brain. <laughs> anyway, the Steelers beat them at 7-0. and They've been 7-0. and What did you find, Brad Thomas? They've been 7-0 and uh, one previous time, 1930-what? 1930-something. It was, yeah, a long time <laughs> ago. Back when the scores were like 10-3 and 9-6. to Yeah, so they've, they've never been 8-0. The year that they lost to the Steelers at seven and zero and became seven and one, they won six more in a row and got to thirteen and one and got all the way to the Super Bowl. I don't know what's going to happen with the Eagles. All right, Farley, enough gushing over uh, Philadelphia. Is it? I, I think it's a legitimate point. Is it a ton of points to lay here? I know you do not have an official play. The Texans at home getting fourteen in this one. Any quick thought, Chris? I'm I'm conflicted with that because obviously you want to get under the 14. I mean, I, I took a personal play on minus 13 myself. Um, but now we just heard Brandon Cooks is going to be out of this game. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, if anybody's the cog on that offense besides Damian Pierce, I guess, it would be Brandon Cooks. You know, he's, he's a pretty good wide receiver. He hasn't been um, as good this year. And I think a lot of that is Davis Mills and just the way the Texans are playing on offense. But, you know, they're running out of ways to win this game. And I'm glad you brought up the point about they've never been 8-0 before, TJ, because I think the only way the Eagles lose this game is if they come in there flat, you know, and sleepy and, and don't don't treat this like an important game because, you know, there's still pros out there, right? Anything can happen. But all signs point towards the Eagles dominating this contest from start to finish. They were in recovery mode. You saw them on the bikes after the Sunday game already prepping for this Thursday game because the mentality of this team seems to be in line with what Jalen Hurts is all about. He has like a stoicism to him, stone cold. Uh, they're very focused. I don't think they're going to uh, take their collective feet off the gas, if you will. The thing that I hate about this for the Texans is, you know, last week was the spot. Everybody in the world knew that the Titans were going to run the ball. They were starting Malik Willis, and they still can't stop the Titans. 300 total yards rushing against right. the Texans. I mean, that is unbelievable. Um, you know, and this is a team in the Eagles that rushed – they have 35 rush attempts per game. That's second overall in the NFL. They're not going to stop. Uh, it just, I don't know how you can't, I mean, 14, 14 and a half is a lot of points. I wouldn't necessarily take that. I think they make a great teaser leg. I like Brad's play, and I would still have to lean Philly, believe it or not. Could be a lot of running with Miles Sanders and company. Jalen Hurts scrambling around. So no official play from Chris. The play is Brad Thomas's. He says, I'm in love with the Eagles in the first half of this game. Their team total over 14 and a half. And remember, A.J. Brown went off last week at receiver. He was pointing at Steelers. I scored on you. I scored on you. He may be doing the same thing tonight, guys, uh, <laughs> against Houston Texans uh, in this one. One final point here now that we made the official plays. I'm very curious, especially with the Phillies playing game five at home and the Eagles being undefeated, which which is going to have the better viewership. I mean, clearly uh, the, the Phillies game means more because it is a game five in the World Series. But I don't know that there's not going to be several million more watching the Eagles in Philadelphia, maybe a couple of million more watch the Eagles in the greater Philadelphia area just because it's the Eagles and it's a chance to be eight. No, Brad, you got a thought on that? I think it's going to be one of those things where they're going to kind of have one eye on the Eagles. Once the Eagles go up a touchdown, they're going to be like, okay, we know this story and not really care anymore and, and turn it to the Phillies. Because like, I feel like this is a must-win game for the Phillies go up 3-2. But the Eagles, you know, they're going to cruise. They're going to be in cruise control all game. Farley, the Phillies got the same number of hits that you, me, and Brad got in the <laughs> game last night. Zero. Right. So they got no hit. 
Uh, I mean, is is Philadelphia going to have split screens here? Is this mostly going to be allegiance to Eagles? Speculate. What do you think? Real quick, and then we'll move no, on. I don't, I don't think so. I think uh, the eyes will be in the World Series because, like Brad said, I think you know, Eagles are, are the best first-half team in the NFL, and I think they're going to go right up in the Texans. It's usually what happens. So they'll they'll make the switch on their TVs. But I, I thought last night the Astros won the World Series overall because that, that was a statement uh, shutting out the Phillies in Philly with that crowd and how amped everybody was. I would be surprised if the Phillies can turn things around at this point. But so far, Cinderella team. So, I mean, who am I to count them out? And they've hit the ball uh, all the way into last night. They'd hit the ball on everybody all over the place. Didn't get any hits last night. We'll see what happens in the World Series again. Uh, Brad likes the Eagles to score a bunch early for his official play. Let's move on to the Sunday slate in the NFL. Early game that will be in New England. The Patriots put the defensive clamps down on the Jets last week. And uh, and Zach Wilson getting some interceptions. All right, the Colts are in disarray, to say the least. Going to Sam Ellinger, the quarterback, firing the offensive coordinator this week. Uh, it's not good in Indy. They get five here. They get five points on the road. The total is 40. Chris Farley, I'm back to you for an official play. What do we like on Indy at New England Sunday early? Yeah, I'm going to take the under in this one. I think it sets up really well for it. You know, both teams are limiting offenses to around 19 to 20 points per game. So, you know, the data supports it, but both teams are struggling quarterbacks, right? And I guess, you know, Sam Ellinger, I guess we can't say necessarily he's a struggling quarterback, but, you know, he's a rookie quarterback. And we know the way Bill Belichick is against rookie quarterbacks. I think it's something like 22 and six over, uh, straight up against them. Um, I did like how Sam Ellinger played, uh, played last week, though. I'll say that. He made some great passes, including. With about 22 seconds left, a pinpoint accuracy pass to Michael Pittman Jr., who was right in his hands. He just dropped it. If he catches that, the Colts have a chance to win that game. But I thought he had a lot of poise in that. It's a different story when you're going to New England up against Bill Belichick. Um, and Mac Jones, something's something's up there. It was one of the things I got wrong this season because I thought Mac Jones was clearly the best rookie quarterback in the NFL last year. But something, his confidence, confidence is off. Five games, seven interceptions. Just doesn't seem like the same guy. I'm, I'm sure their offensive coordinators have something to do with that. Uh, but, you know, Jonathan Taylor is coming into this a little banged up if he does play. And on the other end, the Colts are only allowing four yards per carry. So it, whatever these offenses choose to do, I think, I don't know if they're going to have a lot of success in this game. Two pretty darn good defenses still. I have this lined at plus three and a half. So I will say I show some value on the Colts. But with everything going on there in Indy and you're going to New England, I'm not that willing to pull the trigger on that. So I'd rather take under 40 in this matchup between two above-average defenses against two pretty pretty bad offenses at this point. Yeah, what in the world has gone on with Mac Jones? Yes, he's injured. And, of course, looking over his shoulder, they benched him on Monday Night Football with how bad that was. Brad Thomas, any thoughts here? on uh, a game where, I mean, obviously, if New England can win it, they're now back around the AFC playoff picture, more so than Indianapolis. Any thoughts, Brad? Yeah, I'd probably lean New England. I'd probably let the line continue to fall down. line opened up at six, um, and now it's almost down to, I think, five right now. Uh, For the Colts, they kind of struggle to protect the quarterback, and you have uh, Bill Belichick scheming against a bad offensive line and a rookie quarterback. That's something that he just licks his chops with. And I think, you know, in this game, it won't be as important to have Mac Jones flying all over the place because they don't really need to keep pace with the Colts. Like, I don't see the Colts coming out here and scoring 28 points. So for them, it's just they need to stick with Ramon J. Stevenson, 
run the ball, and then protect the quarterback when Mac Jones rolls, uh, Mac Jones drops back to pass, and then more importantly, make life very difficult for Sam Ellinger in the Colts. So I, I do lean uh, Patriots here, but it's just hard, man. It's really hard. The, the garbage that we've seen out of Mac Jones, it's hard to want to lay five, maybe two and a half probably. Well, then we also uh, saw New England run the ball with some success earlier in the year. That's also dissipated here the last couple of weeks. We will find out. So no official play from Brad. The official play is for Chris Farley, and he's going under the total here, under the total of 40 for that early game in Foxborough, Patriots and New England. Let's stick with the AFC East, shall we? The top team in the AFC East is the Buffalo Bills. They'll play host to those same New York Jets. My goodness. Have we, is it my imagination or have we seen more 12, 13, even, even higher point lines in the first half of the season than any NFL season I can remember? There's another one. The Bills favored by 13 and a half against the J-E-T-S mess, mess, mess. The total is 47 in uh in this one so uh we're gonna have an official play from brad thomas on this what do you make buffalo off the win over green bay where they were impressive enough the jets again were a mess against new england with the wilson interceptions the problems they have what do you make of this and what's the official play please yeah i'll say if you start betting on trends i think this is the time of year where a lot of the trend betters the guys who don't do actually any research you know kind of like more casual betters they're going to start to fall in, into some traps. Um, at the beginning of the year, underdogs were screaming at about 64%. Um, the trends for two teams that are playing so far uh, this week is since 2020, under uh, favorites of 13 and or more on the road are 3-10 and 10 against the spread. So that applies to the Eagles and the Bills. I think that this line is actually um, kind of funny because I think the Bills have a chance to come, come in here and actually, absolutely shut them down. My favorite play, though, is on the under. The Bills so far have hit five out of six unders, and a lot of their unders and totals are set at 47 points. Um, Why I like this here is because we already know what the Bills bring. The Bills are bringing a great pass rush. Now they get your Davious White back. I don't see this Jets team with Zach Wilson, who threw three picks last game, doing much and scoring much on this Bills team. And a lot of that has to do with the loss of Brees Hall. You know, at the beginning of the season, I knew Brees Hall would be a good running back, but I didn't know how effective he would be in year one. Holy smokes. Dude was an absolute firecracker. Such a a massive loss for that team. You know, they tried to mix in a little bit of Carter, a little bit of Robinson. They just weren't getting anything going on the ground because he's that he was that explosive of a running back. Then you have to put the ball in Zach Wilson's hands a lot more. And now on the other side of the ball for the Jets, the Jets have a top 10 uh, defense. I think they're ranked uh, ninth in DVOA for defense. Robert Sala, that's what he hangs his hat on. He's one of the few defensive coaches in the NFL who is legitimately a defensive mastermind. A lot of that has to do with scheming. And then the biggest weapon for the Buffalo Bills will probably get neutralized by Sauce Gardner. Sauce Gardner is living up to all the hype and will probably be defensive player of the year. So for me, I just think that it's probably going to be like a 28 to three game. I know it sounds close Mm. for the home team to only score three points, but it's going to be some mental lapses that will be the only way that the Jets get inside the end zone. We have seen, uh, Brad, and for Chris, we have seen that the Jets did win as an outright big underdog. We saw that there in the live chat uh, coming through, but that was with Brees Hall. That's another thing to factor in here. That's the point that Brad was making. He got hurt in their win over Denver, out for the year with a knee injury. Chris Farley, no official play for you. 
the Bills, again, with Josh Allen, look fantastic on offense. Any thoughts here if no official play? Yeah, I'm hearing some sharp people in the Bennett community who I really respect, and they're like, oh, I would stay away from this one. Watch out for the Jets, and I, I, I really don't see it. I mean, the problem here with this game for me is that Josh Allen didn't have a great game against the Packers. I mean, 13 for 25, 218 yards, two interceptions. You know, maybe if he had an easy time and they blew out the Packers at home, it'd be one thing. But I think Josh Allen and that offense is going to come out just as aggressive as they always do. And to Brad's point, I completely agree. The Jets are going to be inept, in my opinion, without Brees Hall on offense. We saw Zach Wilson kind of come into who he really is last week. Three interceptions, forcing the ball. Guy has great arm talent, like pure arm talent. But his decision-making and poise on the field is not good. And, you know, maybe that's what they look at more in the draft, right, is arm talent. But, man, oh, man, uh, I, I think it's going to be more of the same. This is a really good defense he's facing. Uh, you know, Mike LaFleur is learning how to create some innovative schemes for the Jets at offensive coordinator. But I, th- I, don't, I really don't think he has the personnel. I think Brees Hall just really opened things up for them and they could lean on him, right? Uh, so, you know... <laughs> This is, it's just one of those games I, I have a strong lean on the Bills, even at this line, because I don't see how the Jets score points. I think an under is a good look. I, I agree with Brad. I think a Jets team total under is another good look because, you know, Bills could go off in the Jets. The Jets aren't going to go off in the Bills. All right, Brad. Thomas says not a lot of points and maybe even a decisive uh, Buffalo low-scoring win. He goes on the record and says, give me the under in this AFC East matchup between Buffalo and and the Jets. All right, we move along here. Again, thank you for finding us on Thursday for the Live Bet US show. We're here at 1 Eastern time. Uh, get your comments going and rolling, questions, etc. We'll see those as we go. Miami Dolphins and the Chicago Bears. The Dolphins off a come-from-behind win. They were down 14 points at Detroit. Tua and that offense, ever so explosive, came from behind and won it. Bears, meanwhile, got whipped up on by the Dallas Cowboys in Big D. All right, so Chicago back home getting five. The total is 45 and a half. We do not have an official play on this one. Chris Farley, I'm going to come back to you. Are you a believer in what they're doing in South Florida right now because the offense continues to roll through the first half of the season? I know you don't have an official play, but, man, Tua and Tyreek Hill and Waddle and Gasicki, the tight end, I mean, they have made a, a ton of chunk plays, big plays, and scored a bunch of points. Are you a believer, Chris? Yeah, uh, this is my fault. I meant to put this on the show sheet, so maybe we can still get on there. But I really like the over in this game. Um, I am absolutely a believer in the Dolphins, not getting to the Super Bowl or anything because you need a little bit more experience than that. But this offense is humming. I know they faced the Lions last week. I mean, they are the worst defense in the NFL right now. But the Bears are, are showing that they're kind of selling on their defense, right? Robert Quinn is one thing, you know, not, not in his prime anymore. But to get rid of Roquan Smith, a young player, versatile player, a leader on their defense, that's going to be a huge loss for the Bears. And now here come the Dolphins, who we see how tough it is to guard Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill on a week-to-week basis. Defenses just can't do it because they can stretch the field. They can get those underneath passes. Mike uh, Gasicki, I think I'm saying his name right. He's a Gisicki, very formidable. Correct. You know, he's a very formidable tight end as well. They just have a lot of weapons. And I, I love that the Dolphins also got Bradley Chubb. I think he's going to make a huge difference for them in, in their ability to pressure the quarterback. But 
you know, Bears are, are embracing their offense more. Justin Fields is is impressing me now on a weekly basis. The Cowboys couldn't stop him in the second half last week. I thought they had a chance to still cover that line, even though obviously the Cowboys dropped 49 points on the Bears' defense. Uh, but, you know, the Bears are going up and down the field in the second half. I think Justin Fields is kind of in a flow state. I don't know if Bradley Chubb is going to really, you know, completely stop that just because he came over there this week. So I think the Bears are able to put up some points, maybe chasing the Dolphins in this one. And I don't think anyone's going to stop the Dolphins right now, aside from maybe the Broncos and, you know, some of the more elite defenses in the NFL. So it's going to it's going to be nice in Chicago, too. You know, typically that's something you have to look at in Chicago at this time of year. But it's going to be like 55 and sunny. So. Um, I, I love the over in this one. If we could still get that on the show sheet. Anyway. All right, we'll see if we can do that. The Dolphin defensive line has been good. He brings up a great point as well with Bradley Chubb being added to that. Brad Thomas, I know you do not have an official play here on Dolphins on the road for a second straight week here with Tua back and uh, and making the big throws. Any other thoughts here to add on to what Chris was saying? Yeah, this is a game where I'd probably like to look at a player prop when the player props come up on, uh, on BetUS where I'd want Mostert probably rushing yards over. The Bears are, are terrible at stopping the run, and they're going to do so much. You know, replacing a guy like Roquan Smith is, is one thing, you know, but already they had such a tall task ahead of them in stopping this, I'm going to call it a three-headed monster, and the two heads are uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, and the third is, is, is Tua, because Tua all offseason was was talked about in weak arm, noodle arm, uh, bad uh, poor decision making and so far he's looked great every single game that he's played outside the ones that were uh, plagued with injuries who but in I, the world can i interrupt who's been yeah. calling him a noodle arm that's watched alabama football or <laughs> exactly. watched him throwing it's the ball crazy. in miami get it's a clue crazy. i mean the guy the guy puts lasers where the ball has to be so that's that's just foolish continue on i had to interject that <laughs> no it's still totally, I, I was defending him wholeheartedly and a big to a fan but if I were to talk about a side, it would probably be the Dolphins. Um, you know, the Bears, uh, they do well, you know, moving the ball, but they're in sell mode. Even I don't care about them getting Chase Claypool. You know, and it's the defense that offense is new, this new age hot thing, but still defense wins championships. Defense covers spreads. And I just think it's going to be a tough task to stop this team. But five is a lot to lay on the road in a game where I'm not 100% sold on stopping uh, Justin Fields. So that's why the only reason is no play for me, but a lean it's got to be Miami. All right. Fair enough. Now, one of the fun things we do, we do have the Bet U.S. college basketball show that's coming starting next week. Uh, as if I don't have enough going on on Bet U.S., <laughs> I'm going to add that to what we do. So, Farley, what we do on that show, if we go ahead and add something officially on the show, is we raise the cup, the mug, or the glass. So you're raising the glass to Miami and the over. Am I correct? That's the official sign right well, there on the yeah, on the just, Dolphins. To yeah, yeah, just the over, but I lean Miami for sure. All right, lean, lean the over there for the uh, for the total in the game, and I believe that total is 45.5 on the bet U.S. line. We'll insert that in for later on on the best bets. Okay, we talked a lot of NFC East, like three games in a row. Uh, we do have an NFC North team that we were talking there. Let's talk another NFC North team. Do you realize, do you understand, the Minnesota Vikings are 6-1. and one. They now travel to take on the Washington Commanders. And looky here, Taylor Heineke has suddenly sparked the Commanders to an upset win over the Packers at home and then a win in the final minute at Indianapolis last week. Commanders get three and a half at home. The total is 43 and a half in this game. 
Uh, all right, we'll go back to Chris Farley because this is going to be part of a teaser play for you. What do you like in this matchup, Vikings in the nation's capital? Yeah, I have, I have uh, two plays on this game. One of them is Washington plus three and a half, and then I'm going to tease Washington up just in case we see some of this crazy variance and weird anomalies that we're seeing in the NFL this year. Uh, but, you know, I said a few weeks ago the Bengals at the Saints was one of my favorite plays of the year. This, this might be my second favorite. The commanders are playing really well right now. And some of that, I think a lot of that, is because their identity has changed with Taylor Heineke at quarterback. You know, we've been saying it on this show, but I'll just reiterate it. You know, the guy has a blue-collar mentality. Uh, you know, he can scramble, right? He doesn't give up on these plays. And he has chemistry with scary Terry McLaurin, who is a legit star in this league. He's a very good wide receiver. They have multiple running backs that they can, you know, carry out there. And the Vikings are still... Fake news. They they somehow every week this this Vikings team they cover they win. Um, they're they're a good team. Don't get me wrong. They have a lot of talent on offense. But you know last week it was a muff punt by the Cardinals that you know so they end up covering that line. They have a short field. Maybe something like that happens in this game too. We'll see. But I think it's much less likely against the Commanders team who looks good on both sides of the ball. They're playing a lot better on defense. And Kirk Cousins, we know he's going back to Washington, D.C. It's one of those spots where Kirk... You like that, right? You like that if you're Kirk Cousins, yeah. I like that for an anti-Kirk Cousins take because (laughs) Kirk, he can get shook in some of these environments. We've seen it before. When he went to Philly, it happened this year. I think when he goes to Washington, they don't have the best home field advantage. But this is a spot for the commanders who have now kind of turned around their season. They're a little feisty. they're going to fight hard in this game. The defense can get after the quarterback. They're top five in sack pressure or uh, pressure rate. And uh, I think the commanders is a really good spot for the commanders. You're giving me three and a half, so I get the hook on top of it. I'll take Washington three and a half, and I'll tease that up to 10 with another leg to the teaser that I'll, I'll talk about later. All right. Fair enough on that. We see uh, Mike is asking a question. And again, keep them coming in the live chat. I see the audience growing as well. We'll take your questions as we go along on the live show Thursday at one. Brad Thomas, any thought here on the commanders maybe being empowered by the fact that Daniel Snyder, who, who vowed to never allow the nickname to be changed, that got changed. He vowed to never sell the team is apparently now being uh, wink, wink, nudge to sell the team, whatever you want to call it. Do you think that matters on the field to the uh, viewers question there for the commanders and might in- inspire them a little more in this? Or do you think that's overblown by the media and fans? You know, first, I'm going to say this. Uh, for my final paper in grad school, I actually talked about the corruption of Snyder. And it's probably <laughs> the most fun I've ever had talking about football in, a, in an academic What kind sense. of grade did you get? Did you get the A? I did. I, I, I graduated with all A's, so there we go. Pretty lucky there. <laughs> um, but no, I don't think it's going to affect the players. I don't think it's going to add additional motivation. These guys are there to do one thing and one thing only. That's win football games. They try not to concern themselves too much about what's going on up above. You know, they want to cash their paychecks and they want to win games. But I do think Washington is the smart side in this game. It's just I just can't get over the fact that somehow. The Vikings win these games by like four and five points. I was on the Cardinals last week, and I feel like I got robbed of a cover there. It was the smart side. It was the right side. And I think the same thing here. This Vikings team keeps coming. I have them to win the, the, the NFC North, and I'm very excited about that ticket looking absolutely phenomenal with the Packers stinking. But I just don't think they're as complete. They're not a complete finished product yet. They're getting there. The addition of TJ Hawkinson is going to be even better. 
Maybe next year they're going to be a Super Bowl contender if they can rebuild that defense a little bit more. It's aging a little bit, but man, Taylor Heineke has the intangibles that you want from a leader. That's what I'm so excited about this commander's team is I said it once he got the nod saying he's going to start Carson Wentz on the IR. That's when you start backing them to, to cover spread. The, the team plays harder for him. They know that he's not going to lose them games like Carson Wentz does. So, yeah, it's the smart side. The only reason I didn't bet it is because I'm terrified of betting against this Vikings team who always get these miracle covers. Yeah, understandable. They pulled several games out, including the London game against the Saints yeah. in the overtime uh, doing that. Uh, again, for Heineke, he not only has the two back-to-back covers here this year, he he did well as an underdog like three or four times uh, in the 2021 season. And remember, he was at the very end in the postseason playing in the playoff game against Tom Brady, and that was a cover by the Washington football team, empty stadium, et cetera. But in the, in the playoff game with the Buccaneers, they found a way. So we'll see if it continues. Chris Farley's got a yeah. couple of plays on it. Let's lock him in. Can, what else What else do you have there? We're going to lock you in on your two plays with the commanders and as well as the tees. What else? Yeah, if I could just add something really quick. A uh, great example of, of, of how good Taylor Heineke has been is last week, that was a tough environment at Indy. They were down, what, 16-7 to seven heading into the fourth quarter. Uh, and that final drive, that's all Heineke. I mean, if you look at the play-by-play, it's a throw. It's a scramble for a first down, another throw, another scramble. He put the team on his back and made it happen in a tough environment. Uh, that's why, you know, you got to love this team as a covering team if your quarterback can do that. Again, he's doubling up on Washington as the doggy. And by the way, I agreed with that pick on Three Dog Thursday, our brother show that's on BetUS TV's channel right now. I love the commanders in this spot. And he's also got it as part of a two-team tease that's coming later. One more quick thing, by the way, look at this. Antonio and the guys at BetUS are all over it. You can go check out Three Dog Thursday when we're done. Only underdogs, no totals, no favorites. Uh, College football and the NFL in combination there. We've had both of you guys on that show already. Go check that out. One more thing for all the talk, and we're going to talk Carolina in a couple of minutes uh, here in their matchup uh, with the Bengals. For all the talk of DJ Moore taking the helmet off and the 15-yard penalty and whether it was the right call, Terry McLaurin did the same thing on the long pass play down to the one- or two-yard line. He did the same thing and took the helmet off and was celebrating on the field. No flag. I saw you signaling timeout. Because they called a timeout, and I think. But that's still, he's on the field of play with the helmet off, running around, which is the thing they don't want, regardless of whether well, there's should... a timeout or not. They don't want you on the field of play. I mean, technically, D, I'm not a Carolina Panther guy. <laughs> Thomas knows this. He's not on the field of play. He's in the end zone, up in the stands, up in the front yeah. row, Lambo leap, and they're yeah, calling I mean, a flag on him. The Panthers should have won that game, obviously, but oh yeah. I, but I do believe I do believe when the commander when you call a timeout, though, you know players are allowed to remove their helmet, right, get some Gatorade, et cetera. Yeah, but, I mean, he's so. got his helmet off, and he's doing the ch- – he wasn't sipping Gatorade <laughs> Farley. I don't know what he was doing <laughs> there <laughs> after that. I'm just <laughs> pointing that out. It's a good point on the timeout. I'm just pointing that out. So he's doubling up on uh, on the commanders for that matchup. All right, let's move on. Stick with the NFC North. Stick with what, – what do we make of this game, please? Green Bay Packers at the Detroit Lions here. The Packers can't get out of their own way, yet they're favored on the road. The Lions can't stop anybody. They play nothing but wild games. Uh, give me some help here. The total, 49.5. That's a lot of points. Brad Thomas, we are back to you. You have an official play, you brave soul, on this game. What do we like and why? Oh, my God. Brad Thomas is in treacherous waters, backing the Packers minus three and a half. 
not only am I backing a team who's underwhelmed all season, I'm backing a team who's underwhelmed and they're on the road. But for me, man, this Detroit team, they're, they're, they're a, a dumpster fire right now. Dan Campbell is on the hot seat. As much as I like Dan Campbell and as much as I think that he was kind of had his back up against the wall even when he became the coach, I think, I think the Packers here, this is a good get-right spot for them. There's still a lot of season left. And most importantly, what the Packers need to get back to doing is the fundamentals of football. And I hate to be the boring guy. They need to run the ball. The Lions are not good at stopping the run. Now you have uh, AJ, uh, Aaron Jones, who had an amazing couple of weeks. Uh, and now A.J. Dillon, who is a little disappointing, but they haven't been feeding him as much as they could. Now they don't have to rely as much on this young, unexperienced uh, receiver core. But if that means anything, if you want to talk about this receiver core, let's talk about how bad this Lions defense is. Like, this is the receiver core that you want. I mean, this is the, the secondary that you want to go up against. You know, I thought they would be so much improved from year to year, yet they are not. Both teams are terrible against the spread. This was a <laughs> this was a Lions team last year who covered so many spreads, right? But generally what happens, and you're seeing it starting to kind of happen to Atlanta a little bit, it'll probably happen more a little bit later, is they start to get overvalued. You know, teams like Detroit and Atlanta were undervalued early in the season, but now the value starts to shift a little bit. I think we take advantage of that value with the Packers. The Packers are going to win this game. I probably believe they win this game by like seven or eight. Um, No TJ Hawkinson is such a huge loss. For the, uh, for the Lions. It's, I mean, it's going to be a gross game, guys. Like, I'm not promising you this is going to be a pretty cover, but I, I still think we get it done. Not only do they trade Hawkins, and they trade him within the division of the Vikings, yeah. <laughs> which that used to be unforgivable. You never did that, but that's what they did. Uh, Chris Farley to you uh, here with a thought on this. Detroit's been good at the beginning of games, getting out to leads. They fired the secondary coach this week, too. Dan Campbell scapegoated him in the aftermath of the loss. Not, not the defensive coordinator. He fired the secondary coach. Uh, ugly. Um, viewers asking, is Lazard out? I haven't seen anything about him practicing on Thursday. I know he was limited on Wednesday, the Green Bay receiver. Chris Farley, any thoughts, if no official play from you? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with everything Brad just said. I think this is a great spot for the Packers. I have a very strong lean on them here. Uh, just to make a point about how tough contests are, the Circa Sports, uh, Circa Millions lines just came out. And, of course, the Packers came out as minus three and a half. You know, it's minus three in a lot of places, but they know how to make this more difficult. Still, I think the Packers can cover both of those lines, minus three, minus three and a half. Uh, they, you know, the Packers did a few things right last week. I know they still lost by margin against the Bills, but it, they ran for over 200 yards last week. Aaron Jones had a huge game. Yeah, he did. Of course, that was overshadowed by the loss, right? But uh, if they can get that game, the run game going, which they should be able to against the Detroit Lions, who can't stop anybody in any capacity, this is a great spot for their run game to get going, a great spot for Aaron Rodgers to get going, and, and started to connect with some of his wide receivers last week, like Dobbs made a few great catches. DeAndre Smith, uh, Swift, too. Doesn't look like either he's not going to play or he's not going to be 100%. And that offense on the Lions is different when he's not playing. Um, so now they're without Hawkinson, probably without him. Totally agree with Brad. Dumpster fire for the Lions. Even though they're at home, I don't think it means much. And and it's really true now. Like, you know, red alarm, right? The Packers have to start winning and surging now if they're going to turn it on and make it to the playoffs and make a dent here. This is a great spot for them to make it happen. Kind of reminds me of the Bengals spot against the Saints a few weeks ago. 
I think Aaron Rodgers and his offense gets right, and they do cover this line. Interesting. All right. Uh, again, uh, if the playoffs were to start today, how about this stat? The Packers, the Buccaneers, and the Rams would be out of the NFC playoff picture. Who had that even like a month ago? And yet that is reality right now on how bad these teams have been, in particular the Buccaneers and the Packers were in October. They would be out of the playoffs right now, not even in the wild card uh, picture. So uh, let's see if uh, if Green Bay gets its act together. Again, Brad Thomas has the official play on this. It is on the Packers minus three and a half with a mostly endorsed uh, move mostly endorsement uh, there from Chris Farley uh, with what he likes in that one as well. All right, uh, moving on here again. We rock along on the Bet US show to the Atlanta Falcons and the LA Chargers. Atlanta back at home after the wild win with Carolina last week. A game that arguably they blew twice at the end of regulation, giving up the long pass touchdown to DJ Moore only to be given second life when Eddie Pinheiro missed the extra point after the 15-yard penalty. Then Mariota throws the interception in overtime, and Pinheiro has a chance to end the game again and misses a field goal again. So Atlanta lived like four lives, I think, in that game last week. All right, the spread is three. The Chargers off the bye. The total is 49-and-a-half in this one. Let's swing it back to Chris Farley to lead off. There's not an official play uh, from either of you on this, but Chris, give me a thought or two with Chargers off the bye in the ATL. Yeah, this is one of those situations where, as a better, you want to take the Chargers, right? I mean, the obvious talent that they have, they're coming off a bye. They are 3-0 and against the spread on the road this year, something they absolutely did not do last year, so they're playing a little better on the road. But now, you know, Keenan Allen just had a setback. Mike Williams, I don't know if he's playing this, probably not playing in this game, right? No. Something just, again, smells fishy to me about this setup for the for the Falcons, right? And and I, I know the Falcons, you know, maybe somewhat fake news, especially on defense. Again, a, a big reason to take the Chargers in this one, you would think. That secondary for Atlanta is all banged up, right? So Justin Herbert should be able to throw all over them. But again, uh, Algier and Huntley, they're running well for the Falcons. Somehow, their run game just keeps going. Cordero Patterson is coming back. Uh, they are at home, and sometimes when a team gets away with a phony win like that, it's like, okay, let's button things up to make sure that doesn't happen again. The Chargers, this is a game where the Chargers should win and cover, but would not be surprised again if the Falcons either covered this or even won this game straight up. I don't want anything to do with this game. All right, uh, Brad Thomas, uh, what about Marcus Mariota's play? And again, Atlanta, as it stands right now, I see that Bucko Bruce over your shoulder in the shot when we keep seeing that. You know that my allegiance, if you're on this show for the fans, is I'm on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers radio broadcast. The Falcons are in first place at four and four. The Buccaneers at three and five. The Saints at three and five. Give Arthur Smith's team credit. They've continued to battle on. Even with Cordero Patterson hurt, they've continued to battle on and find a way to get a couple of wins. Any thoughts here on them hosting Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, who's been really good as of late, uh, especially scoring touchdowns, even if you don't have an official play? Um, yeah, I lean the Chargers, but for me, it's hard to trust a team who has a bad coach. Can we believe that I'm actually saying that? Uh, Staley was up for a Coach of the Year nomination, and I'm saying he's a bad coach. You're a defensive-minded coach, yet your team sucks at defense? Like, that doesn't—that mind boggles me right there. And then for the Atlanta Falcons, you know, they're like a train that never stops. Um, and I, I do say I have to appreciate that. 
But if they want to get in a shootout and they get behind, I don't think they have the caliber of quarterback in Mariota to come from behind. I think Justin Herbert is still going to be able to handle his business, throwing to guys like DeAndre Carter and, and throwing to Palmer. Like, I just going to have to side with the, with the Chargers. But I don't mind not playing this game. You know, this is a game where I look at it where we might get some entertainment out of it. We might get some live lines seeing what's happened. But I just don't trust either team to put my money on them. However, both teams cover in their positions uh, with the Chargers on the road and the Falcons at home. I think the Falcons are three and one against the spread at home, and they probably should have covered that one home game and been undefeated against the spread. Okay, but for now, no play on this one with Chargers uh, off the bye week again, coming all the way east in an early start in Atlanta for the matchup with the Falcons. Let's continue. The second half of the slate will begin with the Carolina Panthers and the Cincinnati Bengals. As I mentioned, Carolina right in that game. A shoulda, coulda, woulda won that game in Atlanta, even though they lost in overtime 37-34. Meanwhile, Bengals on the short week, they got bludgeoned by the Brownies, by the in-state rivals. Couldn't protect Joe Burrow again, sacked, harassed over and over again. Yet, Cincinnati an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. That line has actually gone up in the last day or so uh, by a point or a point-and-a-half. Total 42-and-a-half for this matchup. Chris Farley, we are back to you for an official play on the Panthers, who are playing hard for the interim coach Steve Wilkes and a matchup at Cincinnati. Yeah, you got to give the Panthers a lot of credit. Uh, playing hard for Steve Wilkes, indeed. P.J. Walker staying loose out there, getting the ball downfield. Uh, they're finding their run game without Christian McCaffrey. Like that offense has looked more, way more formidable with Baker Mayfield out. You know, it really should have been two and one uh, with uh, PJ Walker at the helm, but their, their offense has looked really good the past few weeks, or, or just, I should say a lot better than they have. But I think this is a trap game for the Panthers. I could sit here and I could talk stats and trends and all that kind of stuff. But when you see history enough kind of repeat itself, right? This is a great spot for the Bengals. They were embarrassed on Monday Night Football, completely embarrassed by the Browns, dominated by the Browns. And I love that Joe Burrow said, no excuse, right? Yeah, Jamar Chase not being a part of the team that night, it stinks. I mean, obviously it takes a big component of their offense off the field, but there's no excuse, right? That's what Joe Burrow is saying. The Bengals are going back home. They're at 500 now. They're in a division where the Ravens just got a little better. You know, the Ravens now have Roquan Smith. I mean, that's a significant thing for the Ravens' defense. Um, you know, Steelers, forget about it. But, you know, maybe the Browns can hang around if they could win a few more games. The Bengals want to win this division. They're in a great spot. The Panthers can't get a sack, by the way. The Panthers are a pretty good defense, but they don't, they don't get pressure on the quarterback that often. I think Joe Burrow can thrive in this environment. There's a reason why off of an embarrassing blowout like that against the Panthers team that's playing well, this line is still this big. I think the Pan I think the Bengals blow out the Panthers. Ooh, he likes it in a blowout in this situation. I was kind of on the opposite side on Three Dog Thursday. To plug that again, you can go check it out with the college handicappers Colby Dant and Brian Edwards. I loved the Panthers in this spot. Just and maybe it's recency bias for me, Brad Thomas, because I saw them two weeks ago at field level, and they and they put it on the Buccaneers on both sides of the ball, playing hard. Interesting point here. Brian Burns is the pass rushing defensive end. He did not get traded, obviously. Reportedly, the Rams offered the Panthers. There's two number one picks, and the Panthers still didn't trade Brian Burns. So maybe he's a little more relieved. He's staying in Carolina. 
And the the Bengals offensive line has given up sacks. So maybe it's a, I don't know, maybe a Brian Burns prop play maybe in this game. Any thoughts, uh, Brad Thomas, if no official play? I'm actually going to side with you here, uh, TJ. No official play for me. But so, you know, everything Chris said makes total sense. Um, but let let me talk about it for how I see this game for the Bengals and why I think they're going to struggle and they struggled last week. A lot of people think, uh, you know, Jamar Chase is, is this great deep threat, this great deep ball weapon. But what a lot of people forget and fail to realize is when you have a guy who is always a threat to beat you deep, he's getting a lot of soft coverage. What's that mean? When Joe Burrow, the pocket is collapsing on Joe Burrow, they can run a few more routes in, the, in their offense for Jamar Chase that are, that are short routes that get the ball out of his hands. You've seen it time and time again where he's getting eight and nine receptions in a game. And a lot of those receptions are these three and four yarders. That's because Joe Burrow is using it as a safety valve. And he also has the, the ability to break, break those free, but man, the, the Bengals cannot run the ball. So what are you afraid of in this Bengals team? You can get to the quarterback. They can't run the ball. And you know, the, the run defense for the Panthers is pretty good. They can't get to the quarterback either, but I think against the Bengals side, whose offensive line, it looks God awful. I think they get there. Let me just say this one thing. You guys know I love me some 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 gritty in the trenches football. I love talking about it. Jonah Williams has been getting absolutely cooked. It, I don't care. I could probably get to the quarterback the way he's been playing. Simple <laughs> swim moves. They need to address that, and I don't think that happens anytime soon. So for me, I would lean Panthers, but there's total reason why this line keeps going up because you're going to have to trust P.J. Washington to score some um, – Oh my God! I said PJ Walker. Yeah, PJ Walker. Walker. You're gonna have to uh, trust PJ Walker to to score some points. Uh, one last uh, thing about this game because I want to get this out here. There are two props that I'm gonna be eyeing. Uh, Terrence Marshall over receiving yards. They have a great connection between the two, and then Terrence Marshall longest reception. I'd probably play it up to 17 and a half uh, when both those lines are released. And I don't know what the burn sack number is on the props on bet us but he may be good for a couple and maybe more against burrow and company miles garrett was teeing off on monday night nonetheless chris farley says bingles uh here for an official play and says lay those points in the jungle uh i guess it's still the jungle right uh what it used to be riverfront stadium was the jungle with boomer esias and Nikki woods so it's the new jungle I guess, uh, in Cincinnati for the defending AFC champs. Can they get a win? Can they keep pace with Baltimore, who we're going to talk about in a little bit? We will find out. Again, uh, thank you to the live audience. The show, guys, is growing and growing right now in the live audience. If you're just finding us, we're here live, as you see, on Thursdays at 1 Eastern time. If you're finding us later Thursday on the weekend, I know a lot of people uh, come and find the segments of the show. You get every game in depth on this show. So thank you on behalf of Chris and Brad. Thank you for finding us and everybody at BetUS as the show goes on because guys we've about tripled or quadrupled the live audience since the show got in the first few minutes keep it up keep hitting that like button below make sure you're subscribing make sure you're finding us uh we love that uh keep going along here we will go along here i'd love to try to sell you on the next game that we're about to talk about i'll do my best (laughs) las vegas raiders jacksonville jaguars all right does this have any redeeming value raiders a one-point favorite off of being shut out by the two and five saints last week the uh, jaguars go all the way to england blow the game and lose to the denver broncos now they're back home our total is 48 in this game we do not have an official play. Brad Thomas, you and I are in the Sunshine State. How do we dress this up here? This has Steve <laughs> Bomb written all over it, does it not? Any thoughts if no official play? 
I tried so hard, so hard to get behind the Las Vegas Raiders. Like I literally wrote down all of these great stats and all these facts and, and the reliable components, but they're not a good football team. And for, you know, how I would expect the Raiders to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars here is to get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Jacksonville's actually done pretty well uh, keeping Trevor Lawrence upright. And a lot of that has to do with the mobility of Lawrence. But they're, they're also coming back from overseas without the bye week uh, to, to kind of stop that. Uh, young teams, I think this affects more, and they have one of the youngest teams in the NFL. But, man, I don't, I, I don't trust uh, this, this Raiders team. We could talk about the bounce back angle after getting absolutely destroyed by the Saints uh, emotionally and physically. Um, one play that I, I would suggest looking at, I think the line's going to open at like minus 140, um, is Daniel Carlson over one and a half field goals. <laughs> I know that it's going to open out. It's going to open out at like a pretty, uh, pretty nice price because the, the Jaguars don't allow a lot of field goals. That's because teams are normally scoring touchdowns. Um, but I don't think that the Raiders are going to come in here and just blow out the Jags, hence the the one-point spread. So they'll keep it in. Daniel Carson has hit this number in, like, the last 14 of 15 games. Uh, he missed – oh, actually, it was it's, last 13 of 15. It, well, and it's interesting because I have him in both fantasy leagues, and they're yeah. getting dusted last week. And I'm like, can I get a Carlson field goal at least in yeah. my fantasy league? No? <laughs> same. no I'm the exact same Okay, way. we're going to get shut out in, uh, in New Orleans. So I like that. It's an interesting prop, if not an official play. Farley, put your best face on here on this one. Uh, the Raiders, by the way, did not go back to Las Vegas. They actually nope. flew to the Tampa Bay area and have been practicing in Sarasota, Florida at IMG Academy, and then will venture three and a half or four hours to the northwest or northeast uh, to play Jacksonville on the weekend. But, I, I mean, how do you get behind a team that looked like by the third quarter they were checked out on yeah. Josh McDaniels in that game? I don't know. Any any thoughts if no official play, Chris? Yeah, it feels like that seat's getting a little warm, isn't it, for Josh McDaniels already? Uh, you can't show up like that. You know, you can't – I mean, when you're starting to win again, your offense is starting to come together, lifeless, you know, really lifeless against the Saints. Um, if, if the Raiders played like they did against the Chiefs every week, then that – you know, that's the maximum, like, that's the version of the Raiders that we all think that they're capable of, right, I'm, on both sides of the ball. Uh, on that really point, has... can I interrupt? Can I interrupt? On that sure. point, how much did that loss take out of them? Is it still got a carryover effect right now, the way they lost it and how they looked in the Superdome last week? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I just hate this game so much. I mean, Brad, <laughs> Brad kind of took my spiel because if you, if you pass it to me first, TJ, I was going to say, like, I'm you know, looking through the stats, you know, I'm like fixing my invisible glasses. There's nothing going on. I can't find an edge. To this game it probably is Carlson that's probably the play to take um I mean both teams are top five against the run and you have two pretty good running backs here you know Josh Jacobs Travis Etienne had, had a great game last week again that got overshadowed because of the way the Jaguars just can't finish games so it just feels like uh, I'm going to be forced if you want to bet on this game you're going to be forced to pick which quarterback you trust more I guess I mm. trust Derek Carr in that passing game more Trevor Lawrence, very up and down, still mistake prone. So I, I lean the Raiders in this one, but I can you pick the Raiders after what you saw last week? Amen. Um, exactly. A team, a team isn't fighting for their coach, right? They're not, they're not fighting for even, even, even the uh, the sum of their parts. So I don't know. There's something off there already in Vegas, and Doug Peterson's a pretty good coach. Like I would give him a strong coaching edge in this one. So there's just a lot of competing narratives. Ugly game. 
Well, but again, and I know there's no play from either handicapper here. Jacksonville looked like they had maybe found something, turned the corner. Remember, they had the win, the shutout win, 24-0 over the Colts. They went out and blasted the Chargers, and they've done almost nothing since then. So, uh, I don't know. All right, so among all of the big NFL games, this ain't one of them. So, no official play on the Raiders and the Jaguars in Jacksonville. Let's move on to a game that does have intrigue. That's because the Seattle Seahawks just keep winning. They got a big win over the New York Giants last week at home. They recently beat the Cardinals at home. Now it is rematch time against the Cardinals in the uh, Valley of the Sun. Arizona, actually the short one-point favorite here in this matchup. The total is 50 they were chanting Gino, Gino, Gino for Gino Smith last week. Chris Farley, I'm to you for an official play. What do we like here? I, I love that they're, that they're chanting for Gino. He deserves it. Um, there, was, there was a pass last week against the Giants where uh, Lockett dropped the pass. I don't know how he dropped it. But <laughs> it is one of those passes that, you know, typically this is what we all salivate when we see Justin Herbert throw the ball because it was a pinpoint precision pass over the defense. Geno Smith is feeling it, no doubt about it. Uh, it's very legit at this point. However, you know, sports betting is all about anticipating variance if we can, anticipating regression to the mean when we can. And the Seahawks, they're playing really good football, not turning the ball over, three straight wins now against some pretty darn good teams. But the Arizona Cardinals, after, after really breaking my heart last week too, Brad, uh, I was on them as well. They had a lot of mistakes in that game against the Vikings. Now they're going back home. They lost against the Seahawks team in a very strange 19-9 game in Seattle a few weeks ago. This is a pretty darn good revenge spot. What's the one thing that can beat a great overall team is a very dynamic player. Kyler Murray has a lot to work on in his game, in, in his approach to being quarterback, Lord knows. But he still is one of the best athletes in the NFL. DeAndre Hopkins looks sensational at the gate. I think this is a rally game for the Cardinals, who in a very close race in the NFC West are still in it. You know, they're three and five. Uh, they're right in there. I mean, these teams are very even at this point just because nobody's really standing out. The Seahawks are five and three. Lord knows, you know, the Rams haven't been doing much. So the Cardinals still got a shot here if they're going to do anything in this division, if they're going to do anything this year. I love this spot for the Cardinals at minus one. Event, you know, Seahawks aren't going to win like the rest of their games. They, they they have to lose a game eventually. This seems like the spot. Interesting, Brad Thomas. All right, a thought here uh, on this one. If no official play from you, I know you were on the Seahawks side, if I believe correctly, for Three Dog Thursday purposes yes. and otherwise when these teams played in Seattle. Any thoughts here on the rematch? Yeah, I, I lean Arizona. Um, the reason I lean Arizona, first of all, it's hard to beat a team twice uh, in a season. Um, that's why, you know, we have divisions. That's why we play at home and away. And, and now Arizona gets to play at home. Uh, one, of the, one of the viewers said, <laughs> this Arizona team is bad. They are absolutely correct. Um, I think I've gone on record on, on one of the Beth U.S. shows saying Arizona didn't do enough uh, in the offseason to improve their inefficiencies, and it's shown throughout the season. Kyler Murray, he has all of the tools uh, outside of height, but I don't really care about that because he can get out of the pocket. But he doesn't have... I don't want to say he doesn't have the brains, but his decision-making and his ability to read defenses really concerns me here. Um, the Seahawks defense and secondary has been playing like one of the best units in the entire NFL. I just can't trust them. And like you said, Farley, variance is going to set in. 
the Seahawks are going to lose a game. I've been on Team Seahawks so much this season. I don't mind not being on them, even if they win. I were on the Seahawks last week. I wasn't afraid against the red-hot Jets. I mean, excuse me, Giants. But I'm not going to be on the Seahawks this week because I do think Arizona wins this game. But I don't trust them. I don't trust them at all. Football IQ is kind of what you're talking about yes. with Kyler Murray on what's the smart play, just throw it away, get yourself out of bounds, don't throw it in double coverage in a key situation when the game's on the line. Just haven't seen enough of that. Um, so, again, all of that being said, though, Chris Farley believes the Cardinals overcome it, overcome it and get a much-needed November win for Cliff Kingsbury and company because, again, everybody's already started with the stuff, Farley. You know this about he can't win games down the stretch of the season. It's happened the last couple of years, even though they found their way in the playoffs last year with the added wildcard team. They were losing games in November and December, so you, you do not want to start November here with a loss at home and start all of that barking Nonetheless, Farley says, give me the Cardinals short favorite at home with the Seattle Seahawks. Okay, when the schedule came out, this was supposed to be one of the top games we would be <laughs> looking at in week number nine of the NFL. Now, eh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers hosting the L.A. Rams. The Buccaneers who've lost Brad Thomas, who've lost five of six games. The L.A. Rams who are three and four off of a third home loss last week. They lost for the third time this season to the San Francisco 49ers at home. Neither one of these teams are in the playoffs right now, as we said earlier in the show in the NFC. Yet the Bucs are three-point favorites. The line is 42 and a half. We do not have an official play. Chris Farley, I'm going to come right back to you, though, with a thought on this one where the loser, if it's the Bucs, is three and six. If it's the Rams, they're three and five. Somebody's got to get well in this game. Any thoughts? Yeah, on the one hand, you kind of just want to take the dog in this, right? Because both teams are just uh, really tough to trust right now. So, you know, and I mean, the Bucs get, get punched in the mouth one time on offense, right? Like they score early and then they get st stopped, they get stymied, and they can't respond. And I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's a Tom Brady leadership thing. Like, he's not as present. Certainly has reasons to not be as present this year. That's for sure. Like, we can't, you know, some people roll their eyes at that sort of thing. There is no athlete in America that's as high profile as Tom Brady. He's going through a divorce. That has to wear on him. At the same time, uh, they finally got their run game going a little bit last week. We saw it a little bit. And then that kind of died out, too. It uh, doesn't seem like there's chemistry with the wide receivers. That defense underperforming as well. But on the other hand, the Rams, if, if they had any other option besides an injured, banged-up Cooper Cup, then I would maybe have some more faith in them to cover this line. So I think this line is very sharp. You know, it, it, it kind of has to be favoring the Bucs. I mean, they're at home, right? Another embarrassing loss for everybody to see where they had the game. You would think they were starting to control the game and then just completely lost it. It couldn't come back against the Ravens team, right? That that flails in the fourth quarter. They still couldn't do it. So, um, <laughs> again, just one of those games where you, you would have to really, you know, convince me for some crazy reason to play on this. Like, like I don't know, my life would have to be threatened or something. <laughs> I'm just not willing to put my money on the line with these two teams. Regression, I think, is going to come for one of them in a positive way. I just don't know which one at this point. Well, and again, for the Rams, uh, Cooper Cup is banged up. 
uh, for the Buccaneers. They may get a couple of people back. Akeem Hicks, the big defensive tackle that they got from the Bears, has not played since the beginning of the of the second game of the season. He got hurt right at the beginning of the second game of the season with the Saints. So maybe he's going to be back uh, for this game. Uh, we saw that little nugget that the Bucks are 0-4 ATS at home so far this year. Uh, and the Rams have had their number, Brad. I know you know this. The playoff win last year, a regular season win at SoFi last year, a Monday night win in the 2020 pandemic season. Uh, they have had the Buccaneers' number. Cooper Cup has had their number, uh, really, these last couple of seasons in the, in the matchups. We'll see how healthy he is. Brad, any thoughts, if no official play, on Rams coming into Tampa Bay? Yeah, a lot of thoughts. You know, um, the Buccaneers do get a lot back. Sean Murphy Bunting, Carlton Davis, um, Hicks comes back. It's all this is great news, you know. But what 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 do we think is going to happen with Tom Brady? He finally signs the paperwork for his divorce. Finally. Is this the game where he's able to put that all behind him? Because, you know, we watch every single Bucks game with our gear on, with our heart on our sleeve, and it just feels like – there's so much that happens that we have question marks. Tom Brady throwing balls in the ground. Like, there's no way that he, Tom Brady just fell off the face of the earth in terms of talent where he can't throw a 10-yard out route, yet he just consistently makes very bad throws. Last game, he looked a lot better. And then, for some reason, we just keep running screen pass after screen pass after screen pass. And I'm like, I talked about this on Three Dog Thursday, how we will be able to run the ball on the Ravens. And then we just stopped running the ball. Like we were having success. And I say we as I'm a Bucks fan. It's hard, hard to take that out of my mouth. The Bucks were having success running the ball, yet they just stopped. Like they're getting like yep. four and a half yards per carry, which hasn't happened in the past two years. So I don't trust them. And then I'm afraid of Aaron Donald against our, our offensive line. And last but yep. not least, I'm afraid of Matt <laughs> Matt Stafford throwing picks to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, yeah, you, yeah Farley said he, he would only bet on if his life depended on it. I would only bet on if you gave me a crystal ball and told me the future. Okay, or or get the flux capacitor in Dr. Brown's uh, yes. DeLorean and go back in time on Back to the Future with Michael J. Fox. I make an 80s movies reference on the BetUS <laughs> NFL show. Uh, look, uh, it's it, obviously I am part of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers radio broadcast. I would have lost my house. I would have lost my house wagering that after a 2-0 and start with road wins at Dallas and New Orleans, that you could be staring at losing six of the next seven games with Brady healthy. Yet that is what is writing on a loss here, to lose six of seven after starting 2 on the road, oh, on the road at the Cowboys and at the Saints. So let's see if they do get it back together for the reasons you guys are talking, but I can understand where there's some trepidation here because how do you trust the Rams with the way that they have looked uh, as well? How do you trust them going on the road here in this matchup? Nonetheless, somebody's going to feel better about 8 o'clock Eastern time, 5 Pacific. Somebody's going to feel better on Sunday night about the rest of their season um, in this one, in this matchup. Okay, two games to go here down the home stretch. Uh, one more time, let's talk Sunday night football. And very interesting, the Tennessee Titans, as we speaketh on the show, there is talk that Ryan Tannehill is practicing in a limited way for the Titans on Thursday afternoon. Can he play? We don't know. Malik Willis, the rookie out of Liberty, played the whole game last week with Houston. This ain't Houston that they're about to play. Houston, we have a problem. 
the problem is Mahomes is a lot better than anything the Texans have, and they're laying 13, and the line is 46 and a half. Chris Farley, I am back to you because you are playing a couple of things on this game. Sunday night, Titans, Chiefs, with the unknown again about Tannehill. We don't know that as we're doing the live show Thursday on what's his status, but Chris, nonetheless, go on the record here with what you like. Yeah, he's uh, back at back at practice in limited fashion, so we don't know if he's going to play this weekend. But you know, I don't know which situation I like better for the Chiefs, Malik Willis or Ryan Tannehill, because Ryan Tannehill is not going to be 100% if he does play. Uh, I think I kind of like that one a little more because you really don't know what you're going to get from Malik Willis if he comes out there. But this is a really tough spot for the Titans. Um, you know, when you go to Kansas City against Andy Reid off a of bye, that combination of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes has averaged. 34 points per game after the bye. They are going to put up points on the Titans. And the Titans are a very gritty team, no doubt about it. They remind me a lot of the New York Giants, right? They they just do things right. They're disciplined. They make small they make all the all the right small decisions out there on the field. They get pressure on the quarterback in key situations. However, when you're facing this Chiefs team off a of bye, who has two weeks to scheme offensively, they're also pretty good against the run, by the way. This is not the Houston Texans who allow everybody and their brother to run on them. You know, at Arrowhead with that crowd going crazy, off of a bye, the Titans are just due, I mean, a number of wins in a row now, and they've played really well. But Derrick Henry alone, even if he runs for 200 yards in this game, I'm not sure if they can score enough points to keep up with the Chiefs. I'm going to tease down the Chiefs, 6.5 points to bring it down to 6.5, but I'm also going to take the Chiefs at minus 13. I don't think they're going to be able to score enough points to keep up with the Chiefs in this scenario. And, and you know, to their credit, to play contrarian, they've been here before. They've been in the playoffs. They're a tough team. But as far as pure product goes, right, we see a lot of these teams like the Giants, like the Titans, who like the Falcons, who week to week are just they're fighting hard. They're, they're doing things right. But when you go up against a real elite team, which there are very few in the NFL right now, in a great spot like this, I always favor the favorite, and uh, one one last point I'm going on on here. Last week, 9-6 and six to the favorites against the spread. A lot of underdogs have been hitting. I do think we're going to start to see that swing a little bit here. Underdogs can't cover at 58% all season. Well, we'll see. Yes, and uh, Teeks, by the way, has a very interesting point. When is the last time that uh, a team that's 5-2 and two is getting this many points on the road and at Arrowhead the Chiefs have been vulnerable in the earlier Thursday night game with the Chargers they had to scratch and claw had to scratch and claw to beat the Raiders on Monday night football uh, we'll see what it looks like Brad Thomas any any quick thoughts here if no official play from you on the Titans who are going to hand it a lot at least they're going to try to to Derrick Henry yeah so I love that that question or statement when's the last time a five and two team uh, is getting 12 points guys let's look at this Titans these Titans wins they beat the Raiders, the Colts twice, and the Texans and the Commanders. Like, let's be for real. That was the Carson Wentz Commanders. That, that like, I'm just, <laughs> did I did I hear a playoff team on those on that list? I don't think I heard a playoff team. No, I don't think we heard a team over five hundred on that. That's list. correct. Um, so yes, uh, the line is telling you everything you need to know. It's Kansas City uh, or not? I'm actually waiting before I bet this. Um, I want to see what happens with the line movement. I don't really care who's at, at quarterback, uh, but if they do say that Tannehill's in line to play, I'm just going to tease it. Um, I feel like this is a great teaser leg here. We know the Kansas City Chiefs, their weaknesses is their run defense. But as an entire unit, defensively, they have improved. And, man, 
I talked about this uh, on the, the last time I was on the show about this Kansas City, uh, the weapons. People were like talking all offseason about Tyreek Hill leaving and he's going to have no weapons. What Tyreek Hill leaving allowed this offensive unit to do is have a lot of new talent and guys step up. Juju Smith-Schuster is a great addition. Miko Hardman scoring touchdowns at almost at will anytime he gets in the red zone. You have uh, Scantling playing very good football. And now they can do a lot more um, like creative ways because you're not having to worry about getting the ball in one guy or two guys' hands, him and Kelsey. So, yeah, this Chiefs team is for real. I think if the Chiefs play the Bills again, the Chiefs beat the Bills. So, yeah, it is, I don't mind laying the points here if you want to. Love it. Um, again, Kadarius Tony also traded from someone's Giants yes. to the Chiefs. How do they use him in the in the mix with Edwards Alaire and with throwing him the ball, etc.? Farley is saying points. He wants lots of points for Kansas City. He's got a two-team tease, the back end of it, as well as the Chiefs on the record here for this. The second half total is what you're interested in. Or actually, I'm sorry, the two-team tease. I misread that. The two-team tease lowering the Chiefs down to six and a half. So you're kind of covered either way in the uh, in the region there of, uh, of them getting a touchdown or winning by 13. Um, and interesting about whether or not the Titans can score in this game. Certainly, if, if they are able to take some time on the clock and stop the Chiefs a couple of times in the first half, that's good for them. If they fall behind 14-0, 17-0, something like that, night-night, it is over. I think we all agree uh, on that part. Uh, one more time, guys, the audience is still growing and growing. We're not going to sit here till 5 p.m. live in the Eastern Time hours, but we are grateful that all of you are in here hanging and watching us. If you have missed us talking about any of the games here on the NFL show, first of all, we're here at 1 Eastern Time. Find us live. You can go back, obviously, later on Thursday, whenever you're seeing the show, Friday, et cetera, and watch the beginning of the show. We break out every game. Our guys at BetUS do a great job of breaking out every game where you get a breakdown, even if there's not official plays, of each game in a preview mode here off the BetUS show. And and do us a favor, hit the like button, hit the bell, make sure you're subscribing. I am seeing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of you that are watching us live. Hit that like button, crank it up before we're done live here today. We've got one game left to go, and it's the Monday Nighter. And looky here, off the Thursday night win in Tampa, the Baltimore Ravens now get some extra time off to play on Monday night against the Saints who came alive against the Raiders for what it was worth in the Superdome last week. Will it carry over to this week? The Ravens, interestingly, are the road fave here, laying three. The total is 48. Brad Thomas, I am back to you for an official play to wrap us up. What do you like, sir? Listen, this is going to be the first time in a long time that I don't think the Saints are a sharp side. I mean, the, the Saints so far are, what, three and five against the spread? And then, like, three of those that they didn't cover were just, like, crazy non-covers. But I'm going to be on the Ravens minus three. Um, you give me plus money or even odds. Um, for the Ravens here. I think they're the better team. They have, an, they have extra time uh, to try to implement some more stuff with uh, with Smith. So now they have, I mean, uh, yeah, with Smith and Queen, that's like the, the two-headed monster at linebacker. Right. And what's cool about this offense, uh, you know, everyone was talking about Marquise Brown and, and Bateman now going down. It still flows. And what I've noticed, uh, what this team has done, is they've made sure that every piece they put in place has a similar play style as the backup piece or the or the piece starting before them. Quarterback, running back, wide receiver. There doesn't need to be a number one wide receiver here because they have the type of pieces that are just plug and play and offense that just really it, it runs through the system. 
Uh, so they built such a great system here. And this is a massive, massive letdown spot for the Saints. Like, you just don't replicate success like you did last week, week of the week, when you're a team of the caliber of the Saints. Like, this is not a Super Bowl-bound team. Um, so, yeah, give me the Ravens here. I didn't talk about enough stats or facts, but all the facts I need to know is that the Ravens are playing great football. That win over the Bucks, the comeback win over the Bucks was huge for them, especially getting guys like Isaiah Likely involved because Isaiah Likely has a massive, massive ceiling. Yeah, the tight end, he played for Mark Andrews, who now has the shoulder injury to go along with the knee injury. Andrews not practicing midweek. Again, they've got the extra day here uh, to play on Monday night. I'll give you a couple of stats. They threw the ball 30 times in the first half, 30 times, and then they ran the ball right down the Buccaneers' throat when they wore them down the second half. I don't think Lamar Jackson threw the ball 10 times in the second half. He didn't have to in the game. Uh, Ravens drives to start the second half in Tampa. Touchdown, 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 field goal. So obviously they figured some things out as the game went along. Chris Farley, I know you do not have an official play. Again, the Saints off the win all over the Raiders. Did they find something here or are the Ravens going to humble them again and drop them to three and six thoughts? Yeah, I got a buddy who's a big Saints fan and like, you know, just knows all the nuances that anyone can know about their own team. So I still need to talk to him about the Saints because someone needs to talk me off the Ravens. I mean, by the end of this week, I'll probably have a play on the Ravens just to lean for right now because I agree with what Brad's saying. Just a really a tough offense to prep for, and I think this could be potentially a nightmare matchup for the Saints. Obviously, Lamar Jackson can scramble around. Uh, you know, he he can he can get out of the pocket. And the Saints, they've improved in the amount of pressure that they're getting, but they're still not one of the elite teams in that area. If they don't bother Lamar Jackson early and often in this game, I think it it could actually get pretty ugly. Um, you know, I, I love the way that the Ravens keep their offense very, very unpredictable to your point, TJ, a lot of passes in the first half, a lot of runs in the second half. They can really make anything work. Yeah. They don't have that big bodied wide receiver, but I think that's a great point that you make, Brad. I don't, I don't know if they need it, uh, just because of all the nuances that they run with their offense on the Saints side, you know, Andy Dalton ball last week. Um, you know, we saw some more from some of their other players. I don't know if that's something we can count on every week. You know, there were some talks about Alvin Kamara leaving the Saints, uh, being traded. That didn't happen. So that's interesting. Maybe this team feel, still feels like they have, you know, some chance to get to the playoffs here. I mean, let's face it. The NFC South is wide open, right? So why not? Oh, yeah. So, that, you know, that's what scares me away a little bit here. You know, maybe some added motivation um, because of that. But for now, strong lead to the Ravens, who special teams, offense, and you could argue possibly – with Roquan Smith now part of that team, maybe they have a significant edge on defense as well. Ravens are could be a very loaded team heading into the second half of this season. So I'm just I'm excited to see them play, but not ready to pull the trigger. Still, still a pretty tough spot on the road. Love all of that. And again, if you're Andy Dalton, the Red Ninja, as he's uh, been known from his TCU days, etc., you're going oh. They got Roquan Smith and time to come after me. Great. Okay, so that's coming Monday night. Uh, on the record, though, it's Brad Thomas saying, I like the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Can Lamar stay away from the turnovers? Uh, we'll find out. He did so in the Thursday night win over the Buccaneers. They ran it really well. Let's see if it continues. Another significant injury is Gus Edwards, the running back, hurt his hamstring in the Thursday night game. Don't know if he can play Monday night. Keep an eye on that. But Brad Thomas says, 
give me the Ravens. With that, that is a full show. So by means of recap, let's go back. If you joined us late for what we had at the beginning with the best bets from the guys, I won't go over everything that you see there on the screen, but there were some early plays, including uh, including Chris Farley having a, uh, a teaser play uh, earlier in the program as well. Um, and again, a couple of road underdog situations for Brad Thomas that he likes uh, with the Packers and with the Baltimore Ravens. Guys, we've come to the end of another Thursday show. Any final thoughts? Brad Thomas, any final thoughts before we're done and good? Yeah, we're we're chugging along through the season. So, guys, remember, always bet responsibly. Have a ton of fun. Uh, that's where we're here, you know, make money and have fun. Haven't said it on this show, but we say it all the time on other shows. Don't just bet a game just to bet a game. That's not usually good policy or practice or smart. Have a reason, have an edge, have an angle. Right, Brother Farley, anything else? Yes. Hey, this is the first time we're going to see the New York Giants off a bye with Brian Dayball. Probably scheming up some fun things there for the New York Giants. They face the Texans at home next week. If that, in my opinion, if that line is anything uh, four or less in favor of the Giants, I would take the Giants in that one. They're probably going to get a little more credit than that, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'm looking for an early line on the Giants. And look out for some of these teams that might seem like fake news still, like the Minnesota Vikings. All right, maybe the Vikings uh, get rattled some here in uh, their matchup with the Commanders. We'll find out. Again, a busy show. Thank you to everybody that was watching. One more time, hit that like button before you leave. Hit the subscribe, uh, hit the bell, all of it. Uh, Chris Farley, thank you. Brad Thomas, thank you. Antonio, everybody behind the scenes at BetUS, great job with the show. We'll be back next Thursday on the BetUS NFL show.